Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary contexts, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, uh, Michael Pitzer uh, is here, and we're going to follow up and uh, take a deeper dive into uh, the uh, the text from Sunday, both from uh, Mark and from Matthew. Uh, so let's jump right into it, and uh, we've got all kinds of places to go today. Yeah. Um, I want to start with really kind of what prompted me into doing this sermon in the first place. This topic is the connection between the two um, stories. The first one is Jesus calming the waters, um, and then the second one is Jesus walking on water, and then Peter um, joining him. And uh, really kind of what prompted me and gave me a good insight into a um, kind of a flaw that I had in reading Scripture um, for many, I mean, we all do this, I think, but the idea of when we read these stories, we tend to put them in their own isolated box, kind of in a vacuum, that this happened here and this happened here. Um, And when I really began to think about this and put these two together, I realized that these were not isolated incidents, that the disciples experienced both, that they had, they have grown or changed as far as their theology or their belief about Jesus in these, that their um, discipleship journey um, was a, on a continuum, really. It uh, was moving, and it wasn't the disciples being static in the first one and being the same static disciples in the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just, it was just a good reminder for me that when I'm reading these stories to always put the context in them, to always look to see what comes before, what comes after. And mm-hmm. because these can be seen in different Gospels, sometimes it's tougher to put that whole picture together. Um, sure. But I think it uh, is important that we do that. Right. And these both occur in what we kind of typically refer to as the, the synoptic Gospels, right? Yes. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So they they all basically track along the same storyline, more or less. Yes. And so even though this these two passages occur in different, uh, different Gospels, we're still kind of mm-hmm. working with the same baseline, right? Same baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, but even so, looking at that, um, I believe Matthew, is it Matthew that's the only one that has Peter walking on the water? Right. And uh, in fact, Matthew, I believe, was intentional in tying this back to Jesus calming the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's one of those that it's not always easiest to pick up on something like that. So right. each author, as they were telling the story, gave us a little different perspective based on what they were wanting us to kind of get out of mm-hmm. it. Um so it's, uh, again, a, a good um, uh, encouragement to go and, and look at all of the different synoptic gospels or wherever that story comes up to compare them all to see, you know, and ask the mm-hmm. questions, why is this de- detail in here and why is it not in this one over here um, to help us give a good picture of uh, mm-hmm. what we're supposed to be learning. Right. What uh, did you find any of those details that you found um, interesting as you were uh, getting ready for today, or for yesterday? Um, well, as uh, as I was looking at it um, and reading both of these, it struck me um, just these two particular how similar the structure was 
in each story. Mm-hmm. Um, that even though they are different miracles that happen, one is calming the storm, one is walking on the water, and even extending that out to Peter, where Peter was part of that miracle and walking on the water, um, the stories had very similar structures, um, which says to me that you are supposed to be putting these two together and learning from them. So you see both of them start off with just a long day of miracles with large crowds, um, a lot of teaching, and Jesus is exhausted at both of these. Um, and the first one, he is exhausted to the point where the disciples don't even let him get out of the boat. They just kind of just shit, push off from shore and go across. And the second one, and both of them, they try to dismiss the crowds. And, the, and Jesus walking on water, though, he actually commanded his disciples to go, and he went up in his exhaustion to just sit and pray by himself. Um, but you still have that long day Jesus is exhausted, and they use these boats to get away from the crowd. And then you have a furious storm that comes out of nowhere um, in both of these. And uh, I just find it fascinating when you actually look at uh, the geographical nature of the location of the Sea of Galilee that this is something that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the storm comes out of nowhere. The disciples, you have this sense of fear where the disciples in the um, walking on water story in Mark 4, they were afraid of their lives, the the waves crashing in and, and whatnot. And in the Jesus walking on water, the disciples were afraid of Jesus coming on the water as if a ghost. So right. you still have this theme of being afraid to the point where in the next step is the disciples cry out for Jesus to save them in the calming the storm. Uh, story, and then Peter crying out for Jesus to save him as he's walking on the water and beginning to sink in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had this this need, this desperate need for saving. And then again, and the next thing that happens in both stories, you have Jesus who who does save. He calms the storm. He reaches out and he grabs Peter and brings him back into the boat. Um, and then right after Jesus saves, there's this rebuke that happens in both story, both story, sorry, stories, where Jesus mm-hmm. says, "Ye of little faith, or why don't you have any faith? Why did you doubt?" Mm-hmm. And you have that almost the same words said both times, and then you have the disciples' response, action um, to both of those, which is really kind of the key for me is when I was looking at the parallel structure throughout the the two stories. The ending was different. So -hmm. in the first one, the disciples were afraid, and their fear shifted from being afraid of the storms and the wind and the waves and sinking and dying to Mm -hmm. being terrified of this man, Jesus, who could command all of that to stop. Mm -hmm. In the second one, instead of being afraid, it says the disciples worshipped. Um, and so you look at why was there a different response from the disciples at this point? Why weren't they terrified of this ghost that came to them on the water and could walk on the water and still calmed all the all the the storm when he got back in the boat? Says the, the waters became still. He still did that miracle. Why didn't they mm-hmm. fear him again? Why did they worship? And so that was a question that I um, really right. began to ask myself yeah. um, to pull out of these two stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so so with that, I think uh, I learned in my own personal study, and I try to convey this in the sermon, is that uh, a lot of times we will ask God to calm the storms in our, 
the storms outside of our life, outside of our control. Those are the things that uh, are giving us fear, giving us anxiety, giving us worry, giving us pain, whatever that might be. We want God to calm those. Yet all that might lead to, if God actually does miracles out in the world, is we might fear him, we might be in awe of him, but will we really worship him if that's the case? Sure. What is it that led the disciples to worship? And that was when God did something to the inside of Peter that uh, allowed him to do something physically on the outside, but when he did something on the inside and the disciples Mm -hmm. saw that, that's what led them to worship. And uh, that, uh, to me, kind of began to make me rethink my my own prayer life as far as mm-hmm. my praying for God to do miracles on the outside or my praying for him to to do some great work in my own heart sure yeah um you mentioned a few um <clears throat> kind of uh language issues that uh were of interest uh in the sermon a, a couple of original language things that help uh really communicate uh, that text well were there any other things that you ran across that um uh, were, were of interest that just didn't quite make it in there from a language perspective? Um, well, really, I'm glad you said something, because I actually misspoke on Sunday. Um, I quoted... Oh, uh, a retraction. Yes, time. I wanted okay. to uh, put a retraction there in okay. there. Um, I referenced the Greek word seo pao, which is the word peace or quiet. Mm-hmm. And so when... Um, and the, um, NRSV from Mark, when it says, peace, be still, other translations translate it as quiet, be still. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really is to be silent. Um, in fact, in that uh, Mark one, it says, almost like it says, be silent or be muzzled for right. the storm. But I had mentioned on Sunday that it really was talking about ceasing to do to, because of weariness or exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the following word in the sentence where it says, it ceased. And that is the Greek word kopazo, and so that's what it means to. Um, that word means that it kind of like ceased, as if the storm had just exhausted itself. Yeah. And um, and I love that picture when it came to our own hearts, um, as far as we, our own minds and our hearts and our worry and our anxiety, we run ourselves to the point of exhaustion and beyond. It won't stop. Mm-hmm. And finally, when Jesus says that, "Be quiet, be still," we our heart settles as if it being exhausted. And I love that imagery in that picture. Um, and I like the imagery of that peace, be still, that seopao, plus the Greek word for be still, which I don't have it right in front of me, but it's that uh, be muzzled. Um, mm-hmm. And it's uh, really a, a vivid imagery of taking that storm and just kind of putting the clamps on it and being like, all right, enough. Right. Um, be yeah. quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those were those were some of the language things I really dug into. I really wanted to know what it meant as far as peace. We were talking about other types of peace mm-hmm. mentioned in Scripture, um, and this really had to do with just a stilling of being quiet um, more than um, maybe a shalom type of peace. I was just going to say, that that's typically what people think of, I think, when they think of, you know, original language uh, peace talk and uh, this is just a, a different, uh, a different word altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that we would still translate as peace and in, in English, but uh, completely different. Well, not completely different, but a, but a noticeably different kind of a kind of a meeting. Yes, and, um, it it almost uh, it brought imagery of or um, kind of went in my own life. I've got a two and a half year old. And she will get to this place where she is just kind of yelling, and um, I'm just trying to help her, trying to, yeah. and she's just throwing this fit, this tantrum. And I kind of have to be like, Arya, stop, look at me, be quiet. 
And it's that same, like, just bring peace to your to your mind. And I, I kind of, and I didn't share this in the sermon, but it's one of those illustrations I thought of that if she just looked at me and was just quiet, we'd get through it. Yeah. It'd be fine. You know, it's like, it, it isn't as bad. I'm here to help. You know, this isn't a problem. Right. Why are you collapsing on the floor yelling for this little mm-hmm. issue? Just look at me and be quiet. Yeah, and you'll realize that it's all under control. And I was like, that's kind of what Jesus did with Peter, and there's in all of this between you combine the two, it's just look at me, be quiet, and you'll realize that these waves really aren't that big. It's true. Yeah, I was um, I was thinking about something like that as you were talking about the getting to exhaustion. You know, with with kids, you see that um, they they really do not want to go to sleep. There's yeah. something in there, and then they just reach that point where they almost get more energy to yep. fight it off. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you just need to sleep. Right. And uh, um, I think that's right. a great illustration yeah. for this um, this picture where Jesus is just saying, "Be still, mm-hmm. settle down." It'll be okay. Yeah. What other things about this text uh, were uh, uh, did you stumble upon as you were uh, researching, getting ready for this? Um, I found it uh, a couple things that uh, that I found fascinating. I'm not even sure where to go with it yet, but it ends with uh, the first one as far as calming the water ends with the disciples being afraid of Jesus and looking at the. Um, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You wonder if that was really taking a, a big jump in their mm-hmm. um, faith with with Christ is just having that right fear of him as far as this is not just some teacher, but this is somebody who, when he speaks, even creation listens to him. And so all of a sudden did what, what he when he taught after that, did it have an even greater impact? Mm-hmm. But then when you pick up to the fear in the Jesus walking on water, the the disciples were afraid of Jesus. They thought he was a ghost, but you still have that fear targeted towards right. Jesus. So mm-hmm. you wonder that even if they recognized that it was Jesus, they still had this fear of this terror side of the that awe. Um, that so it kind of picked right back up with them still being mm-hmm. f- afraid of Jesus, and then Jesus says, "Take heart; it is I. Do not be afraid." And that. Uh, um, Again, I just I kind of want to explore a little bit more that thread of still being afraid of Jesus all the way into them worshiping him at the right. end of that. And then to also just keep exploring that the um, dynamic between faith versus fear mm-hmm. um, that uh, just kind of kept seeming to come up. And uh, I mean, even some scripture verse that I, I didn't include, but I, I really enjoyed in studying this was like John sixteen thirty three, which says, I have told you th- these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. We talked about we will have the waves. But take heart, again, it's that, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So, but take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. And uh, this idea of having peace um, through our faith in Christ versus this fear and mm-hmm. uh, um and I and I've done a lot of studies with youth over over fear and pulled them a lot and it's one of those things where I think a lot of us as humans we live a lot of our daily life in fear that are motivated by one fear or another mm-hmm. um, and if I can say this in this um, community that is dominated by insurance you wonder if that whole <laughs> industry is really just based out of controlling and managing our fears. Um, 
So where does faith come into this? <laughs> where does faith come into this? Where does getting the peace of Christ in our hearts um, mm-hmm. come into this? So those were some common threads that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and one question that I think is a, a real question is, so what? So what God gives you peace in your heart, what does mm-hmm. that mean? It's like, did it fix any of my problems? Did it? Uh, did anything go away? Did all of a sudden I do I have cash in the bank where I was worried right. and afraid before? Um, you know, what does it mean to have peace in your heart and uh, that kind of stillness? Um, what's the big deal about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wrestled with that a little bit because yeah. it's not like I'm giving anybody an answer or here is uh, the God's vending machine that you know you're going to get what you need that mm-hmm. comes out. Um, what is so important about having this peace in your heart? Um, and so as I wrestled with that, it made me think about um, just the imagery of getting out of the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, the walking on water versus staying in this boat that mm-hmm. um, is supposed to provide us protection, but really doesn't when the big storms come. And uh, um, so as I was just kind of thinking about that, what is, what is the freedom that the peace gives gives us? What is it as far as how do we enjoy life or live life differently with peace mm-hmm. in the midst of those problems? Um, so if you combine that with that faith versus fear imagery, um, I, I kind of really thought that the more we let those fears motivate us and run our lives, the more our lives become heavier. So mm-hmm. to speak, that the more we start to sink, the more it's life is. Uh, you're just kind of trying to get through it. You're trying to survive, and mm-hmm. then you get to a point where you're desperate. And the more you live with the peace of Christ in you, the more you're walking on the water. That yes, those problems are still there, but you are living through them in a completely different way. There's still a joy there. There's still a trust there. Um, that uh, it makes me think of. Um, some of the great stories in Scripture, um, but even like Stephen being stoned to death. It's not like he did not not get stoned to death, but there were, he ended his life in peace and as he fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, how do you face, even when life doesn't go your way, how do you face that with this confidence and with this peace, with an almost willingness to go to your own cross as Jesus um, took on mm-hmm. his own, took on the cross for us. How do we say, you know, Lord, I can do this. I will suffer through this and do it with a glad heart. Um, and uh, so, those are all things I'm kind of wrestling with, wrestling with as far as that peace. Um, what does it mean to have that peace, and and what does that do for us? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the, this is still a scripture verse that I'm. Um, have a lot of questions about and trying mm-hmm. to figure out uh, what it really means in my own life. Yeah. Um, this is not a very well-formed question, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Um, <laughs> I'll give you a what, not so well-formed answer. Okay, so that's perfect good. then. Uh, what do you make of this of the 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 story within the story there of the uh, of of Peter's uh, quick kind of. Um, uh, challenge to Jesus, like if it's you, then do this for me, and then the you know the walking out, the failing. Like there's this smaller story inside of this larger setting. Uh, why do you think that's there? What's the um, what's the turn there? How is that uh, interesting, significant? Um, you know, it, yeah. Well, and it. Um, so I, I had a. a 
I guess the similar question when I was looking at the similar structures of this mm-hmm. and saw that you go from this is a group effort and the disciples right. all, and then it goes to singular Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wonder whether that was just Peter being Peter, as we all just assume that he is. Yeah. Um, but I almost took it uh, instead of just him being um, someone who will just kind of do things without thinking, I took a step back and was wondering, did Peter really learn something from the first story, yeah. which allowed him to even make this question, this request, this ask of, Jesus, if it is you, say come and I'll come out on the water, Right. Um, which Jesus didn't have to say come. He could have been like, no, it is me, but you stay in the boat and I'll mm-hmm. I'll come to you or I'm going to just pass mm-hmm. on. You guys keep you know working away. Um, I, I kind of, and I'm not sure if this is uh, kind of where you were going with the, the question, but let me give you my answers. I kind of see this as you you get a picture of some of the Peter's growth as, as a disciple that kind of like the waves goes up and down, up and down, where he gets this moment of being like, mm-hmm. Lord, I trust you. I see you. My, I also and I get this, this peace in my heart. Come, I will follow you wherever you want to, wherever you're at, even if it means going out in the stormy waters, I'll go. Say, come to me and I'll come. Mm-hmm. And then you have you know, him failing and then you have Jesus and Peter at the cross where Peter fails, but then you have the reinstatement um, on the beach where Jesus or Peter um, is reinstated by Jesus and all of a sudden he has been asked to follow Jesus wherever he goes and he knows that that's going to lead to not a good ending for him, but he still goes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I I think a little bit you have some foreshadowing of the rest of Peter's discipleship walk in it. but I also think it wasn't just Peter just being spontaneous. I think he had grown a little bit in his faith and was willing to say, all right, if this is where you're at, I want to be where you're at. Um, tell me to come. Yeah, he's very he's very quick to um, test the waters, I guess. No no pun uh, <laughs> super intended there. But um, but in this one, his I mean, his testing uh, his testing of Jesus and, and this reciprocal testing back that Jesus gives to mm-hmm. him as well um, is you're right. It's more mature um, in terms of what we've seen prior to that um, from Peter. There's a um, you know the text reads pretty quick. You know, like it, this yeah, like this is just boom boom fire fire fire. But I'm not sure that that's necessarily. Um, the, the case, and there does seem to be a, a little bit more, um, uh, not as much panicky panic uh, no, if, from if, him in this moment. It wasn't as if Peter was just asking, prove that you're really Jesus, because right. that he could have done that in so many other safer ways sure. to say, hey, mm-hmm. come a little closer, let mm-hmm. us know. But he says, you know, if it really is you, I really need to know that you really are Lord and you're worthy of me following you. So I'm going to ask this and I'm going to test you mm-hmm. on it. And uh, so it does seem like there is this deeper discipleship process growth going on in Peter in this as far as um, asking him. When, I, when you first read it quick, and I kind of mentioned this in the sermon, it's like, Peter, what are you thinking? Why would you ask to go out on the water? Why, if, right. if you're just wanting to make sure that's Jesus, why would you ask that? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, 
it's almost like Peter had, has this desire, this need to follow, for Jesus to be who he says he is, and he's really testing Jesus. Are you really who you say you are? And if you are, I can, I'll can, i be able to walk out to you and be safe. Um, right. And this is that this is that common back and forth between Jesus and Peter. The, the who do you say I am? Yes. Who am I to yep. you? You know, and yep. and uh, it just continues to echo throughout all of these um, all these gospel accounts. Really quite quite well, fun. Yeah. And you even see that in as the whole group. So the the first one ends with the disciples asking the question, "Who is this man?" Mm-hmm. And then in the second one, it's truly you are the Son of God, and right. they're beginning to get this answer. And it does go back and forth um, all the way into Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi and, and beyond. But, um, yeah, it's uh, I, I think you see with Peter maybe a microcosm of what was going on with all the disciples there. Mm-hmm, Peter sure. was just the lucky or unlucky one that mm-hmm. uh, um, participated in it. Um, one question I did have, though, is why none of the other disciples got out with them? And I wonder if Peter would have been able to make it all the way to Jesus if somebody else was there with him. Now, this is all just conjecture at this point, but sure, yeah. you know, if you had somebody else got up, get out in the water with you, does that other person help to keep your eyes focused on Jesus and you help them keep your eyes focused on Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the case could be made that the other person could lead you away to be looking at the waves, too. Um, but knowing how this Christian walk uh, is designed to live in community, um, it kind of caught me as interesting that it was just a solo venture out into the water instead of anybody going with Peter. Um, and uh, just may, I wondered whether it would be a, an easier walk um, or be able to stay focused more if there was another disciple who went out with Peter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you raise an interesting question. Um, I mean, the, the within the larger communal nature of Christianity, you know, what is the role? Um, I think of individual uh, kind of choice, and I think very much at the beginning, um, kind of that individual choice to leave some other community and establish yourself with this one. That's certainly we see that you know in kind of contentious ways. In the Gospels, for sure, yes. with, you know, well, who who are my mothers and my brothers? You know, it's like, I left, you can leave. So there's this real, uh, you know, there's a moment for being alone. There's a moment for being together. Um, that's kind of, you know, uh, Bonhoeffer's uh, kind of charge there is mm-hmm. like, you can't be... Uh, you can't be well with other people if you're not well with yourself, and you can't be well with yourself unless you're well with other people. So, you know, it's this back and forth kind of thing. But this this parable uh, teases out some interesting aspects of that. It really think, does. Or not this parable, this uh, account, sorry. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, fun, man. Lots of good, lots of good stuff uh, in here. Uh, I, I was kind of getting lost as I kept studying both of these mm-hmm. and looking at them. And then I'm um, even just trying to, uh, you know, dive into the larger picture of when did these miracles happen? What was the, the timeline? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just fascinating. And, and I didn't even get into, and knowing that I was focusing on putting these two stories together. Why did this happen in between Jesus, like the walking on water? Why did that happen in between Jesus feeding the 5,000 and then going and teaching on the other side? 
and what what was the point of Jesus doing this? Um, I mean, I could get into the idea of, you know, Jesus commanded them to get out on the boat and go, and then the storm arose, and you hear these disciples saying, all right, I did what you said. Why am I facing, why are we facing these storms? Right. Why, why are, are we, it feels like we're not going anywhere, <laughs> um, and we're, you told us to go directly into the wind, into the problem, into the storms, and God, we're following you. Why are things not working out our way? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole nother lesson that, <laughs> that could be, be taught. But yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's just kind of fascinating, both of these, um, and especially when then when you put them together, the contrast, the, the parallels and the contrast at the end, I just, mm-hmm. uh, I love it. Excellent. Well, Michael, thanks again for uh, sitting down and uh, going through all of this. It's been uh, very, very insightful, and I appreciate it uh, quite a bit. Uh, and thanks for all of you listening as well. If you'd love to... Uh, if you have some comments or some questions, uh, you can hit us up on Facebook or uh, email or any of those ways that you get uh, get a hold of all of us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, next week, we'll be back with a deeper dive into Micah 6, 1 through 8. So until then, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.